0: 6 to 7 p.m. Sport on with Somusiya.
1: In the final test match of the series against Australia, oh, right. South Africa's the captain, length. Graham Smith, breaks that his really hand and hurt. retires hurt. Well, he's a tough man, and he immediately showed the pain. Yeah! Only to courageously return and push through the pain barrier in the hope of saving the match. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute, what's happening? Graham Smith is coming out the back. A series that has bridged us from first to last continues to do so. The drama is by no means done. This is a mighty figure. One of the great men of the modern game. And Sydney is standing to him. And the Sydney crowd really appreciated Graham Smith's courage to come out and bat for his country. The captain leading the front like he has all series. His right arm is the problem. That's the one that grips the back. Wow. This is unbelievable. Oh, played. Very well played. It will have hurt. It will have really hurt. But it is magnificently well played. Staggering scenes at the Sydney Cricket Ground. It's nine for two, five, seven. Remember that bottom hand is broken. No right, bounce. Awesome. Australia win the third test match at the Sydney Cricket Ground. What drama we've had at the Sydney Cricket Ground. And what a part Graham Smith and McGuire have played in it. Well done, Mitchell Johnson. Well bowled and well done to Graham Smith. You can't help but feel for Graham Smith there. He went out there and gave it his all. He may have a broken hand, but he's no broken man.
0: Well, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us on SAFM Spot On tonight. I am Tabi Somosia, Katla and Timothy produce the show and Sylvester Kumane is in technical. Well, uh, the clip that we've opened with uh, tells you who our guest will be on this Flashback Friday on SAFM Spot On. We did announce last night that we're going to be in conversation with former Proteas captain Graham Smith, who was also today confirmed as South Africa's director of cricket on a permanent uh, basis. And we thought we should open with a clip of one of his most heroic innings in Australia that all of us uh, remember um, and um, because he's been appointed as the DOC, it's going to change our interview a bit tonight, we'd requested Graham to chat to us about his career as our flashback guest looking back at his journey the highs, the lows, the challenges, what made him so successful because Graham Smith remains undoubtedly or undoubtedly one of the country's greatest players of all time, he's the only player to captain the side in 100 test matches, still the most successful, actually I've got four pages full of stats of Graham Smith that we've pulled out just for this show—it is unbelievable. Smith holds the world record of the highest number of wins in Test matches, 53. Most number of hundreds by a captain in Test in Test match wins, 15. Also the world record of a non keeper taking the most catches, 82 in Test match wins. Fastest South African cricketer to reach 1,000 Test runs. Smith holds the record for scoring the most number of Test runs as captain it just doesn't stop and i haven't even touched on those record-breaking partnerships so we're going uh, to speak uh, to the man that became the proteas youngest ever captain at the age of uh, 22 he was probably not the most elegant of batsmen especially for a lefty but he made up for it with his great determination never say die attitude and he seemed to thrive in challenging circumstances uh, getting the proteas out of many difficult situations so tonight we are going to be in conversation with one of the best to ever do it a hero to many uh Former captain of South Africa, now the director of cricket Graham Smith. If you want to join our conversation, you can send us a voice notes on WhatsApp 061-4104107. If you prefer to SMS, that number is 41391. Or you can call us on 0891-104207. Zanzi's sporting milestones, moments, and stories. Flashback Fridays with Tabiso Musea. And let's welcome uh, Graham Smith on the line. Uh, DOC, good evening. Thank you very much for speaking to us on SAFM tonight, sir.
2: Uh, evening, Tavisa. Thank you for the kind welcome and the nice intro. It's good to uh, chat with you guys.
0: Thanks, thanks, Graham. Firstly, how are you coping during this lockdown?
2: Uh, fine. We've got five kids, so it's interesting. You're uh, homeschooling and uh, trying to work at the same time. Uh, so it's, uh, it's been, uh, I guess, a, a new way of life, but we, we're healthy and we're safe, and uh, I guess lucky in, in many ways um, but yeah, just just uh, hoping and praying that it all comes to an end soon and we can get back to uh, you know our normal ways of life.
0: Uh, yeah, for sure but the work hasn't stopped. Uh, today you were given the job on a permanent basis um, initially you'd signed for three months as we all know. Graham, what convinced you to take it up full time now?
2: Um, I, I think obviously getting into the work, I mean I, I think the elements of, of trust was always uh, a, a worry for me and, and the people that I was working with but you know I think around the organization there's probably an element of that still but um, within the organization the staff and the people that I've got to know and there's some amazing people that are putting in a huge amount of effort and, and really driven to make cricket in South Africa very successful um, and then getting into your work you know you start to develop a care and a responsibility uh, of the stuff that you've done and you know you get determined to to want to make a success of it and uh, I think uh, a lot of that um you know, on, on on an individual basis, and, and wanting to make a success of it, and then also, you know, building the relationships within the organisation and, and and becoming a part of something and wanting to make it something great has certainly played a role in me you know, wanting to extend.
0: And what would have been your first priorities in the first three months in charge, Graham? Were you assessing the situation firstly?
2: Uh, I, I think you know, there's been a, a lot of challenges. It's, <laughs> that that maybe you didn't think of, Uh, you you probably had an idea of of the job, Um, but it's a very huge job. I mean, cricket in itself is, you know, a massive thing. If you think about the pro tiers, the women's section uh, down the pipeline, you know, into under-19s, and then how you, uh, you know, you you give people of South Africa an opportunity to touch the game, you know, to learn about the game, to to, to hopefully, you know, that they will choose cricket in the future, you know, and, Mm. You know, take it to all parts of South Africa. It's it's a huge, huge thing. Um, and then also, there's been an, an element of having to build uh, relationships uh, again. I think there were a lot of destroyed relationships commercially, uh, within the player groups on both men and women's side. Um, you know, those uh, relationships needed to be repaired and, and, and regrouped. Um, and then, you know, in particular, I guess on the men's side, a, a real learning of the players. You know, we we needed to be cast the net quite wide over the. Over the summer, to to give a lot of opportunities and trying to identify a group of players that we could take forward and be successful with. So I think you know that uh, with an, a commercial side of trying to you know strengthen some sponsorship relationships, strengthen our relationship with Saka, you know deal with some broadcast rights. It's been it's been a really interesting three or four months.
0: <laughs> so what are your priorities over the next two years? Then does it get easier?
2: Um, look, I mean. <sighs> One thing that I've learned, and, and, and from an administrative perspective, is that there's been a number of challenges. But now, with I guess COVID coming uh, and the coronavirus, is that it's dished up a whole new world of, of, of challenges. Um, in particular, for our stakeholders and our sponsors, and, and, and sport in general, I think is is, is is facing some some unique challenges going forward. You know, not only not only cricket. So, I guess we've got to consistently review and, and re-strategize and, and think. Think differently—not only how we produce the best winning teams and, and get commercially and business strong and build have really good relationships, but you know how do we navigate um, the world as it is at the moment? You know, it's, uh, it's I guess you know we consistently on a weekly basis working hard and, and, and reviewing.
0: There were questions raised uh, when you took over about whether you could do the office job. Did you have any doubts sopping the whites for the uniform for the suits?
2: I definitely miss being on the field in the mud you know <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
2: you know I, I guess right now I, I you know interesting the amount of admin that you've got to do and, and uh, you know the corporate uh, corporate side of things is, is taken a little bit of getting used to I, you know I've shown some leadership and and progressing forward but You know, you, you're never a a full well-rounded person. You've got to keep growing. And, uh, you know, certainly from my perspective, there's elements of the job that I've got to also personally, you know, work on and improve and and grow. So I'm very aware of that as well. And I have my strengths and and also surround yourself with some great people that can, that can help, you know, and I think that's important as important. I'm I'm not, I definitely don't think that I can achieve success in this role by myself. So, you know, as I say, the staff around TSA, um, you know, the coaches in their positions, the players, Uh, And everyone else that I work with, we all need to get together and pull in one direction and make it a success.
0: And one of the first things you did was to appoint a coaching staff, obviously, when you took over. Just take us through your decision to hire Mark Boucher because there were missed reactions at the time from certain corners, quarters.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, we needed to make some decisions quite quickly. Uh, I think I took over literally about a week or 10 days before uh, England arrived. Uh, or the first test match um, on Boxing Day. Uh, and I think in time, I had been in discussions um, with Cricket South Africa and and had spent some time thinking I'd been uh, commentating with, on, on the tour to India. So I'd been around the team and watching and seeing. And I just felt that uh, the environment in itself needed some really hardened international experience. Um, it needed someone that had been there, done that, had traveled the world, um, and, and it had success, you know, uh, and then had taken that into a coaching environment. You know, we've got a lot of players in particular that are sitting at a certain level, and we've got to, you know, develop them out of that and create consistency in, in a high performing environment. So I felt that Mark was the best guy to challenge the environment and to bring an international experience to that. And, I, and, I, and over the three, four months, even though results have, have been a, a little bit challenging, and we, and we expected that in the short term you know i I actually feel more confident that Mark and Enoch are the are the right two leaders to from a coaching perspective to take take the environment forward. They've worked well together um, I've seen Enoch grow uh, from an experience perspective as well uh, and both of them you know I think have a really good idea uh, of of where we would like to take certain the men's national teams.
0: Did you anticipate the reaction though uh, Graham especially after you also brought in Jacques Callis? there were now talks of an old boys club reuniting.
2: Oh, you do, you do have an element of, uh, you know, considering how, how certain people, um, drive agendas. Um, and, you know, you're not always gonna, uh, you know, make everybody happy. And, and you know, the facts are, you know, perception is not always reality, unfortunately. You know, and if you look at the organization, it's a, it's a very, you know, transformed organisation. There's a lot of uh, people that have uh, have been very successful. Um, We've been given a lot of opportunity. Um, But, you know, certain key decision-making around the national side was to provide our young players and our inexperienced players, with, you know, one, really good technical coaching. uh, Two, a lot of experience to help us build out of a phase where we've been, you know... Oh, what's a nice way of putting that we've been performing really bad you know mm. so we we needed to get ourselves out of that and get ourselves back to a high performing environment and every decision was based on that
0: and Are you hoping the coach sticks it out for three years or will he be judged on results
2: unfortunately we sports is always judged on results isn't it yeah. <laughs> you know but we've got to give uh, this um this, this these guys a period of time Enoch mark. Shaul uh, Langefeld, Justin Ontong, and whatever consultants we give them, depending on what comes our way, you know we've got to give them an opportunity to make a success of it. You know, I think if we give them enough of a run and we back them, and and you know certainly performance from that perspective will will always be judged. Sport is about you know is is, is about high performance, and you know results are, are key. And it's a it's a pretty tough environment. And having played, all of us having played, we know that. It's You know, it's it's a tough world out there.
0: You you mentioned you overlook all cricket in the country. You were once quoted when you started as saying that there's a lot of money spent on, on, on development, but you couldn't figure out where it was going. Have you been able to go deeper into that? And uh, do the structures need a real look?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was more than anything trying to say how much Cricket South Africa spend on growing the game. You know, uh, the RPCs and hubs, the, the investments that go in there, um, you know, the academies, um you know elements of the KFC Mini Cricket Program. I mean, there's hundreds of millions of rad that that really get plugged into, you know, opportunities to grow the game, touch points across the country to take the game to places that it's never been before, create structures. And I think one, we need to work closer with governments on that. I think we're doing an element of government's job as well. And and two, Cricket South Africa doesn't have the money that that it used to have. We've we've lost a number of key sponsors. Um, broadcast rights aren't what they used to be. Uh, and we've also, I think, before, you know, having looked at it, there's been a lot of money wasted. So, you know, we've got to look at this and, and think how we create an organization where we can, you know, be successful and cover a lot of those things without having to spend exorbitant amount of money that we don't have. Mm. So we are looking at it. Strategy uh, is key. Um, and, yeah, we've got to review. And, unfortunately, at the moment, most decisions are going to be based on, on finances.
0: The, the other talking point was the, the domestic cricket uh, structure or restructuring, and you've mentioned that relations with soccer have improved now. How far is that process?
2: Oh, no, we're we a long way down the road. I, I think it's been great that we've been able to repair that relationship. I mean, our our relationship with the player body when, when we got in was almost non-existent, uh, as you know, court cases and the various other things. But there's been a lot of hard work in terms of rebuilding that uh, and building some trust as well, which is... Which is um, which is great. Um, sorry to be so, my, my little <laughs> man's trying to hug me uh. out, no <laughs> to me. No problem. <laughs> the joys of working from home. Um, so um, you know uh, it's important. They now sit on all the committees. All the restructuring uh, of cricket has has been done uh, in conjunction with Saka and and the player uh, representatives. So they've been a part of everything, which has been great that we've got back to that place where you know uh, we can work together
0: the other talking point is Colpak players always a big talking point is the door open for everyone
2: well decisions were made before me that uh, put restrictions on on players um but i think having been in consistent discussions with um you know the the english cricket board cold in itself through brexit is going to be closing down so i think there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be available for selection in our system um, and we, we obviously would love to have um, you know, a number of best players playing domestic cricket available for selection for the Pro Tears. But these things have got to play themselves out now over time. We've got a lot of committees in, in, within Cricket South Africa that we need to you know, um, you know, get, get in discussions with and, and decide on the best way forward. But you know, certainly, I think we need a much more open-minded approach to the way the world game is. Um, South Africa is, is, is not at the financial forefront, um, and there's a lot of leagues and a lot of opportunities that we, we need to be, you know, open-minded about and, and, and mostly, you know, to keep our, our, our national side and our domestic product really successful.
0: Okay, we've got a voice note that's come through for the, for the DOC. If you've just joined us, we're speaking to the uh, Director of Cricket in South Africa, Graham Smith, who's uh, uh, signed now on a permanent basis for the next two years. And you can send those voice notes to 61
3: Evening, the tabby, Sotulania from Holland. Congratulations for Mr. Smith on the new job, and thanks for the moments in the playing field. My question: Who's in for the captains in the test test cricket? Because you said Quintin cannot give him that job. Why not him or Markram Someone who's young, so that we can build them for the near future. Thanks.
4: Good evening Tabiso good evening Mr. Graham Smith I'd like to raise the important issue which is the transformation quotas um please please solve that I don't think players must, must be picked because of color I believe that players must be picked because of merit and the second issue is, is about us hosting global tournaments is he going to be championing for us to host world cups so those are my two questions thank you very much there
0: OK, thanks, guys. Let's start at the top. Graham, uh, Quintin de Kock, you, you, you were quoted today as saying that uh, he's not going to be the test uh, uh, captain. Uh, is it? Does he have a lot on his plate?
2: I, I think it's about balancing it. I mean, having done the job myself and with the amount of cricket that gets played uh, in today's times, I think uh, you know we need to consider the the burden that we put on Quentin. I mean, he's not only a captain in our white ball format now, he's, he opens the batting, he keeps wickets. And I and I think to burden him with all three formats at this stage would would be doing him an injustice. Um, You know, I don't I don't have the answer on who the next Test captain is. We are talking about it, and it's probably going to come down to a couple of short short term positions um, selections. um, You know, maybe giving some guys an opportunity to really make success of it. And as I said today earlier in, in a press conference, the the situation we sit with is we sit with a lot of players that are kind of at one level. Um, and we're really hoping that you know this season we start to see a few players really step up and become you know a lot more consistent, become high performers, really take their game to the next level, uh, and separate themselves from 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 kind of where every player is at the moment. Um, so those are the goals that we have. Uh, I, I, as I said, I, as I said to the media this morning, I, I wish I had an answer for them, but it, we are in you know big discussions with the selection panel on on who we give the opportunity to.
0: The other question was about transformation. Uh, Libra saying that people should play on merit, not because of color. What are your views on transformation? And um, have they changed over the years? Are they still the same? Because there was a belief that uh, you were not too much in favor of transformation when you were playing, Graham.
2: Oh, I don't know where that uh, belief came from. I mean, you know, we always tried to build an, uh, an environment where the, those weren't discussions. You know, I think we, we managed to, uh, under my leadership, you know, to really bring a number of excellent players through. Um, and, you know, a lot of these things are the, the base, based on everyone's opinion. And, and I guess that's the challenge, um, is to uh, try and find a, a, a consistent way forward. You know, everyone's got a, a different belief and a different strategy in these things. But our goal is to create the most... You know, transformed, successful um, environment that we, that we can. Um, so I guess that's 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 our challenge, and, and and to make sure that we're bringing enough players through that, you know, these discussions never even happen anymore. I guess um, maybe that's an element that we haven't been as successful in in the past at cricket South Africa to make sure that, you know, these discussions don't don't happen anymore. That we've got so many players to to, to pick from that, you know, it just seems a natural a natural thing.
0: He also wanted to know about major tournaments. Is that a plan to bid for these uh, global tournaments?
2: Definitely. I think we've been, uh, you know, unfortunately we've been away from hosting a number of tournaments of of late. Uh, Maybe that's a relationship thing. I think we need to get back there and and bring some World Cups back, uh, you know, to to our home country. Um, I think the last major World Cup was 2003 and then 2007 to 2020. And it's been a long time, so we we have been meeting with the ICC, and and, and maybe through some of the relations that I have, and and the hard work that that, that the organisation is putting in to show that we can we can do it and handle a successful event in our country. We've handled so many over the time, and, and various sports. So we would love to be, uh, you know, back in that place, bringing bringing sport to to our fans and, and big events to, to to the South African public, you know, and. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, I never had it in my time. We got close once or twice, but that winner World Cup as well, to be sure.
0: <laughs> well, we had a chance in the fifty-over World Cup uh, this year, but it was cancelled due to the coronavirus crisis. But let's take more voice notes for Graham Smith. Good day,
3: we Then I just want to congratulate Graham Smith. For me, I think he's a, he's a good leader. He's a great leader because we have seen him for the past for the past uh, days when he was still playing he's leading by example in inside the field and outside the field so for me i think he will take um the the cricket south africa to another level thanks graham smith for the opportunity then i wish you good luck graham smith congratulations um I don't know. My personal feeling is that, um, you know, players should be selected on merit. Um, Look, I do believe in transformation. I think that must start with the youth. Um, But at the end of the day, we have to win, you know. And um, let's win with the best players. Um, We won the Rugby World Cup with the best team and I'm sure we can do the same with cricket. I would just like to know, um, what does Graham think about our chances to get back to the same glory that we had with a four thirty-five match? If he remembers that, thank you, Mark.
0: Okay, thanks for that, Mark. Let's take a call in in Cape Town. Good evening, Colin. Thanks for calling us.
3: Good evening. Good evening to Graham and congratulations, Graham. Hello, can you hear me?
2: Yes, thank you. I appreciate it.
3: Ah, uh, uh, Graham, I don't know if this is in your line, but you know. I never miss any cricket match, but lately, our commentary, our commentary on TV and our radio. You know, they've got three, four in a box, and they're having their own conversations. I go to the television, or I listen to the radio, and five balls are bowled. Not one of the commentators mention who the bowler is, who he's bowling to, and so and so. And when shots are played, I've never... I've played cricket myself. I've never heard of great shots, fantastic shots, lovely shots. I've heard of cover drives, straight drives, hooks, and -and so-and-so. Now, commentators are not even mentioning those things. How are up-and-coming little youngsters watching TV uh, going to understand the game? when our commentators aren't giving the right ball-by-ball commentary because now you get visually impaired people also. They watch the TV. Mm. Uh, they, they they don't recognize who the bowler is and who the batsman is. It's for them to say, Makai um, and Tini, Bowling to Broucher or something like that. Okay, Colin, we've got that.
0: do you have another point you want to make or is that the only one? Uh,
3: that's another point, but uh, our commentators, please give okay. us.
0: Thanks, Colin. Graham, you seem to have made a smooth transition from player to commentary to TV. I mean, we love the stuff that you're doing on TV uh, that must have class uh, incest those you did during that England series were really uh, wonderful. uh what do you make of what Colin had to say?
2: Uh, I think you have to love Colin's passion for the game <laughs> I think initially um, you know I guess commentary is not something that falls under my uh, <laughs> my, my job description um but I have been in there myself, and I think it's always um you know an in- a tough one at that because you've got to try and please everybody but I do agree that you know, my, my goal was to always try and bring my brain or my knowledge on the game and try and you know, speak it so that people would understand uh, you know, how I viewed the game and, 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 and played the game. Um, and maybe uh, an element of that needs to be brought back. So I'll pass on the feedback. Thanks, Colin.
0: Okay. <laughs> and the other question was, what will it take to get South African cricket back to its former uh, glory days when you guys were playing when we were number one in the world?
2: Well, I, I mean, I had a, a fairly long, I mean, we, I guess today with Mark Boucher and, um, you know, we've been meeting with all the coaches and the medical staff and I, I think it's quite an extensive approach. There's elements that I, I think have been neglected over the last period of time. But more importantly, you know we've got. You know I think we've been very surprised at the amount of coaching we've had to do with the players, um, the way they think about the game, the way they play the game. We we do believe that the talent is still there. We've just got an element of hard work to get it up to the up to the necessary standards uh, to be high, high performing. I mean we want to be. You know we're proud of South Africa we played a part. Uh, our part in a very successful environment. So. We want nothing more than to get our, uh, our, our proteas men's team, uh, back to, to where everyone wants it to be. Uh, I believe we've got the right staff in place. We, we also need to strategize on who the right consultants are that can add value over time, depending on formats and where we play. And um, and I think some leadership, uh, around the group is, is key. And I, and I feel that we've, with the appointments that we've made, we've provided some really strong leadership for players now over the time to grow. It's just, it's just um, how fast we can get there. You know the hard work that needs to be done. You know, unfortunately, from our, our perspective, all the all the programs that we've put in place for our players in the winter uh, have kind of been put on hold at the moment because of COVID. But I mean, we've got to adapt. We've got to we've got to we've, we've got to adapt and, and, and um, you know uh, I guess you know flow with the punches and, and, and make it work.
0: Okay, let's take another voice note here for Grimm Smith. We also want to talk about his career though uh, with the minutes that we have left.
3: Uh, I would tell you so could you please ask Graham what are CSA's uh, plans to upgrade
1: and maintain uh, facilities in, in, in the townships because facilities are there but maintenance is the problem.
0: Tabiso thanks so much my brother I actually don't understand much about cricket but then I believe one thing that I like about it they've got a break and then you would see people lifting some beers or something like that. And I guess for this COVID-19 ban on beers and alcohol, that could be an idea. Thanks so much for the show. Bye-bye. <laughs> see icon. <how you> <laughs> okay, see so yeah, you, Thanks for that. Graham, facilities and taking the game to the people, to the townships, does it go back to what you were saying that you also need to work uh, together with government here?
2: I do. I mean, I, I think that uh, is an element that we need to work closely with government. Um, you know, we don't have the resources to be, you know, spending a consistent amount of money that we have. I mean, times have changed. Uh, our, our partners are not what they used to be. We've got to rebuild all of that. But our goal is to keep you know, growing the game and touching and, and providing opportunities for everyone to play the game. I mean, we've maybe got to look at different elements, like creating street crickets, uh, as, as happens in India, where people can play uh, in, in, you know, play the game all over without needing the extensive amount of cost of facilities. So we've, we've got to strategize on this and how we think differently about exposing people to the game of cricket. But certainly, our relationship with government has, has got to improve in terms of the facilities, the facilities at schools, clubs, uh, and in particular in, in informal settlements, how we how we how we put that in place.
0: Okay, now let's talk about your career, Graham Smith. But before we get there, I just we had. That Jimmy Cook in studio sometime last year We were <coughs> reflecting on his career as a cricketer And a footballer by the way He played for Vets University And he had some wonderful words to say about you I just want to play that clip first Before we talk. We reflect on your career You've also seen uh, Jimmy Cook as Graham Smith's mentor Having worked with him from a very young age And you've said that you've never met A more focused young man Is that what set him apart?
4: Yeah definitely I mean apart from the fact that he was good <laughs> <laughs> But he worked really hard on his game no, absolutely. He was he was absolutely fantastic. I met him as a young guy. Um, he was a couple of years older than my my eldest son Stephen, yeah. um, and I've, I think I first saw him when he was about twelve. His dad sent him to a cricket clinic we had at my academy, and I watched this guy playing, and I just thought, yeah, you know, he looks like he's a really determined young guy. And then one day he he was busy bowling, and I was standing around where the guys bowled from, yeah. and one of the kids obviously walked up to him and asked him about something, and I I thought I heard him say, "Leave me alone, I'm bowling." <laughs> And I thought, no, I could never have said that. No (laughs) chance, not for a kid of his age. Anyway, I I, I sort of walked a bit closer, and then someone else came over to try and talk to him. And as the guy asked him something, he said, leave me alone. I'm bowling now. And I thought, my goodness, this guy, he must be very unpopular with guys. (laughs) Anyway, um, it just showed how focused he was. I mean, he was bowling at the time. Graham was never a great bowler. He was much more of a batsman, obviously. But even when he was bowling, he didn't want to be interfered with. Um, And then when he batted, he would hit the ball and he would look straight up to me to see if everything was okay. I didn't care about anyone who was bowling to him. Um, So he was a very, very focused youngster. But what was nice about it is at the end of the session, he was friends with everybody. He Uh was running around, high-fiving them, kicking a football. So he was good mates. But while that two-hour session or hour-and-a-half session was on, he was going to play cricket and he was going to make sure his cricket was, was, was right. But unbelievably fantastic guy to work with.
0: Were you surprised that he was made uh, South Africa captain at such a young age? Was it something that you were expecting? Did you see it coming? Yeah. <laughs> because of how For focused he was?
4: Well, I think I told the guys at Gauteng when he was 16. I said, don't lose this guy. Don't ever lose this guy to Gauteng. This is the next South African opening batsman.
0: Wow. And and guess what happened he went to cape town graham smith but um graham i hope you had those words from jimmy cook is is that where you would say the foundation i uh, came from where it started for you because he told us how he would take you to the wondrous uh, with his son and with i think it was matthew harris at the time also
2: yeah i know look i was very fortunate to come across jimmy cook as a youngster he became a mentor for my batting uh right throughout even when i was you know, many years playing for South Africa. If I was having a challenge, I remember flying him down to Knysna uh, one year uh, in between the Test series. I went there for my dad's birthday. That's where my parents were, and you know, I ended up you know bringing Jimmy down and and training in the nets with him uh, throughout the days and and celebrating my dad's birthday in, in the evening. So. You know he was always just a go-to guy uh, in terms of a technique and and you know he kept it very simple which which was you know batting can get very complicated over time um you know if you think about the top batters in the world they they fail more than they succeed you know i think someone like Sachin Tendulkar, and if you look at his record he performed one in every three innings so learning to deal with failure and coping with those stresses is a big part of being a successful batsman um but I think you know, like it was interesting to listen to me. I don't remember the stories about uh, about my bowling, but I, I would like to I'd like to claim that I was a better bowler. I mean, my, my teammates would probably tell you differently. <laughs> um, uh, I think a part of me knew when I was captain, whenever I was bowling, we were, we were in a desperate position uh, as a team. Um, but you know, I, I think I, whenever I went to the nets and whenever I trained, I always wanted to achieve something in that training session, and I think that's that's always key. You don't just do it. For the sake of it, I mean, people study and people prepare for work. And, and sports is kind of the same thing when you're there and, you, and you're training and you're preparing. It's all about achieving something and, 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 and getting better. So, you know, having that mindset of, you know, you actually have to work and, and, and you've got to, you know, improve it and work hard. It's such an important thing for youngsters to know. You know, you, as much as you have fun and you, and you enjoy what you're doing, uh, you know, you've got to really focus and, 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 and work hard at, at the sessions.
0: You, they, they always say you are not the most elegant of, of, of batsmen, but but you sure made up for it with your grit, with your will to win or to never give up or your determination. Um, is that, do, would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I think those were my strengths. I mean, as you said at the top of the show, I was never the prettiest. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I knew that. I mean, I think my my, my strengths were different. And I think... The other lesson that I guess I can pass on to youngsters that are, you know, dreaming about playing for South Africa, and hopefully we have many, um, you know, learning about your own strengths and weaknesses as a person and as a cricketer is key. You know, I I think that that was, you know, from a mental perspective, an area that I I was really strong um, and I was able to play within what I I knew I was good at. And I think that's how I was able to progress and be successful at at a young age, because, you know, when I grew up uh, um, and and I mentally knew my knew my stuff, so you know, and I didn't try and be anybody else. I, I knew you know what Graham Smith was all about and how I was going to be successful, and I worked hard and I was determined, as you say, to do that almost single-mindedly. I, I, I guess only only later on in in my career when when I got the experience and I, and uh, I guess grew as a person that I was able to relax.
0: And and how did you deal with being thrust into international captaincy at such a young age? Um, Some people say you were groomed to be captain. You were 22. Did you have any fear?
2: I, I don't think you can be groomed to be captain at uh, 22. I, I mean, I think I was fortunate that I, I, I loved leadership. I mean, I'd been given opportunities right through the age groups growing up and, and the elements of SAA and a bit of time at the Cobras, but nothing extensive at a, at a professional level. I mean... Of course, I had an immense amount of fear. And I think that's why in the early stages of my career, most people thought I was, I was arrogant because it was kind of more of a, a defensive approach, you know, that I was being challenged everywhere I went as a young man. Can you handle it? You know, captains around the world, media. And you develop almost a, a single mind defensive approach to, 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 to all these challenges about how you're going to show people. Um, and you almost get into a much more protective, um, you know, way of thinking and talking instead of, you know, over time when I I knew I was, I knew, when I knew I was in control of the job, I knew that I was a strong leader. Uh, my, My game, I proved to people that I was good enough and you almost then relax and you allow people to see really who you are and, you know, I had some of the most successful years as a leader in that from the, the age of, say, 27 to when I retired with some of the most successful times in South African cricket. We we brought some of the best players we've ever seen into the game, um, had some of our unbelievable successes. So, you know, you've got to grow and you've got to develop. And as I say, I, it's the same now with the director of cricket job. I've, I've been given the opportunity and I know that, you know, what I am today, I'm going to, it's going to be very different in, in a year's time. You know, the, the way I would have grown developed um, and, and hopefully, you know, had success as well over that period as an organization.
0: For those just joining our conversation, we are talking to former ProTest Captain Graham Smith. You can keep your voice notes coming on 061-4104-107. But how long, Graham, did it take for you to feel comfortable in that role of being a captain? Some uh, say that tour to England when you scored those double hundreds was a turning point, a sign of good things to come.
2: I think for me, that was what kept me in the job um, for the first four years with my, my own batting performance. Um, we had a lot of success in those first four years, but we also had a lot of, you know, really tough times. And I think that I was fortunate that
3: individually
2: I was able to to perform reasonably well, um, that I was young, that people, you know, supported me. I think Gerald Majola at the time as CEO really, you know, was was, was a huge cog in the wheel in terms of, uh, you know, supporting me and helping me through those periods of growth uh, and challenges. And I, I really, for me, it was around 2007, after that World Cup in the Caribbean, where I, I really took stock, um, you know, 20, 26 years old, uh, been captain in South Africa for four years, um, and, and really knew that it was now D-Day that I needed to start delivering on a consistent basis. And you know, spent the the off season that we had two or three months, really, from a mental perspective more than anything. Considering the role, you know, how the team looks, the type of players, uh, the type of leader that I that I want to be and want to be remembered remembered by. And and uh, as I said, the next you know uh, period in South Africa, the next seven to eight years, will probably go down as our most successful ever. You know, we brought in the likes of Dale Stane, Hashim Amla, AB de Villiers. Um, you know, you, you you just saw some incredible cricketers, uh, you know Vernon Philander and the likes just just come to the fore. It was it was it was pretty amazing uh, to be a part of that setup over those seven or eight years to come.
0: Is that O seven World Cup the one where you scored those the, the couple of fifties in a row?
2: It was, it was the one that uh, yeah. That those were the positives. The, 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 the disappointments was losing to that great Australian team in the semi final in yes. the new the a pretty tough day and then having heard australia a number of times after that um, and the crowd reminded me consistently <laughs> so yeah, those are the those, that was a tough time but i mean it was a unique experience playing a world cup in the caribbean one that i'll always remember
0: where do those double hundreds in england rank in your career highlights because i've once heard you talk about a hundred i'm not sure if it's the one you scored at edgebusting that was a good one for you and another one in dubai is your most memorable ones
2: yeah, I you know, I remember at the time when I scored, I mean I was twenty two years old, Captain South Africa in the first major series and I and I scored two double hundreds back to back and I did an interview with Mike Atherton at the time and he said would, would do you think you'll look back on these as the highlights of your career? And I and I still do, I mean I I still hold the record at Lords as the highest score by an international yep. cricketer uh Until turning fifty nine. Yes. Um and those moments in, in the early stage of my career were just when I think back, it's just mind blowing, you know, and, and it really, it gave me the opportunity to go and have a long and successful career and to have some failures and to grow. So I was very, very fortunate that I was able to do that. But I think the most pivotal, um, innings in terms of, uh, you know, in, in my career was certainly that, that 154 at Edge basin. Um, we were on the ropes, uh, chasing in the fourth innings. We'd never won a series in England, certainly since readmission. Uh, and, you know, we got over the line and we broke a barrier that hadn't been broken before. And I think that'll go down as probably my most challenging and rewarding innings that I've ever played. And to go and achieve that and win in England. And then subsequently, won in England again four years later. Um, and then, you know, we went to Australia post that mm. match in And in- 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 we went and won in Australia for the first time as well. So that was a kind of a kickstart to a really incredible period, being a part of the South African team. Um, and then the reason I highlighted, I guess, that double hundred, I mean, I, got, I was fortunate to get five double hundreds in my career, yeah. but the one in, in in Dubai against Pakistan, I mean, they had an incredible spin bowler in, inside Ajmal playing for them. Um, and, and growing up in South Africa, we play on generally fast bounty pitches so we learn to play fast bowling, I guess, as a, as a youngster, we never learned to play spin so the first time you get to go to the subcontinent the india sri lanka pakistan and and you and, and you can you experience the ball spinning miles and and being a total different experience and heat and you know uh, a way of batting and a way of, of 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 playing the game um so then to have to adapt your way of thinking and, and the way you play and then actually being successful i think is quite a rewarding thing so uh, that double
0: hundred against Ajmal, for me, I guess, is, is quite rewarding as an opening batter. King of Dusra, uh, Saeed Ajmal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Not that I could
2: pick it, I just got lucky.
0: Let's take the last couple of voice notes. Hard to be So, wonder if you
2: could just ask Graham how he would have got himself out as the opposition captain. Would it have been the two slips, two gullies and bowl outside off him, have him reaching for it? Or... The Stephen Fleming sledging before first ball and see what happens after that It'd be an interesting answer. Thanks
0: Good evening Joe from Pretoria a test for Graham uh, uh, Smith Test cricket is slowly being swallowed by T20 and um, one day cricket Where do you make the most revenue T20? 50 over uh, or test cricket. Okay, that's an interesting question, but let's start with the first one. Graham, how would you have got gotten yourself out?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it did make me laugh, because I, I'm, I'm a, a, it's great to know that people still remember that far back, uh, <laughs> Stephen Fleming and myself having the yeah. duels back when I was a young man. I mean, he was probably the most experienced captain in the job at the time. We've become good friends since now. I remember us having a dinner at the end of that tour and having a laugh about it. That. Uh, as I said, you know, when I was a young captain, everywhere I went, people and media and public were were taking me on, and and, and I think Flem, you know, as an experienced captain, thought that he could, you know, uh, do that, and, and I literally took the bait and bit his arm off as I was walking out the bat. Um, I think they would have probably had it, it worked on the odd day when I was a youngster, but it, it also made me very determined to to be successful. But as time goes on. You know, uh, you know, I, I certainly loved the competition. I loved the contest between the batter, and the bowler, you know, being out in the, the cauldron. So, you know, almost elements of that competitive nature, you know, really drove me on. And I think when it comes to sledging or, or being smart about what's said on the cricket field, you've got to understand the character of, of the person that you, that you're taking on. Sometimes, I mean, I remember as a team, we never used to say a word to Brian Laura because we knew that we'd get the best out of him. You know, we just said, if anyone chips in, <laughs> you know, you don't play the next game. We, we, we knew that it really drove him on as an example. Um, so I, I I would have just been consistent on off stump You know, there were some bowlers that I, that I, you know, that had success against me. I mean, Zaire Khan is a left arm. I was one bowler that I particularly I struggled against. Uh, he was such a highly skilled left arm bowler, could swing it both ways um but you know, the, the most successful bowlers in the world are the most consistent um and uh, yeah uh, uh yeah I, I, I think the thing for me was how much pressure i could put in a bowler uh, without him putting pressure on me and that was always the challenge
0: the other question was about the rise of T20. And it's interesting because when we've spoken, well, we've spoken to a few youngsters, especially those who play those Kayama Jola cricket weeks, And when you ask them where they see themselves, they want to play IPL. It seems like they don't care too much about test cricket. Uh, what do you make of the rise of T20 cricket, Graham? And does cricket now need T20 to survive?
2: Look, I think cricket's very fortunate that the T20 format has come into the game and kept us up with the times. So, I mean, the amount of money and the success that T20 cricket has brought to uh, our game, um, you know, we can't, we can't fault it. We, I mean, all, all, all of us love test cricket I and mean, we want to see it stay and, and be successful. I mean, we, we, we still all believe it's the, the, the biggest test of your game. It's the, it's the most traditional. it's, it's you know, everyone who loves the game of cricket will love test cricket, but, in terms of moving with the times, Test cricket has certainly taken and progressed our game with with the modern society. And it's no surprise to me that you that you say that to be so. I mean, the IPL, the, the numbers and the excitement that it fetches, uh, and the finances, it's it certainly would be a dream for for, for <laughs> players to, and youngsters to, to look up and, and want to develop their games to be a part of. In terms of the money that it brings, I mean, a lot of it has to do with, I mean. Broadcast rights is, is Cricket South Africa's biggest revenue. And, you know, we earn a lot of our money from from inbound tours and, and, and you know, which teams we play against. Um, I think the challenge uh, is the cricket landscape is changing, that these T20 leagues that are popping up around the world um, are fetching big broadcast rights, which are then taking away from, I guess, how international cricket has been played, so 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 you know countries like us and and various others are not getting the numbers on the broadcast rights that that that, that we used to. So we've got to start planning and thinking differently. I I love T20 cricket and I think a much more open-minded approach from cricket South Africa needs to be had. You know we we need to expose our players to these leagues, develop them, give them an opportunity to earn money, but also you know in turn keep them invested in our game. So uh, you know I, I I want to bring a much more open-minded approach to these things.
0: And as we wrap up now, let me just acknowledge some of the comments on social media. There's a lot of reference to that uh, knock in Australia with a broken finger there, Graham. Um, did instant kick in there more than common sense? Because you've always said you didn't have your whites at the ground that day.
2: No, I didn't. I was packed to, <laughs> I was packed to fly home. <laughs> that had been a very successful tour and we were all over the moon with the results. First time ever winning in Australia. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I was, I was scheduled to fly home in the early hours of of the night in Australia, and the hand was in a cost broken knuckle uh, and and certainly uh, if I tell you that uh, it definitely wasn't good thinking <laughs> you said. it was all instant uh, and in emotion um, and, and you know when you're in that moment, you don't really think how other people are going are going to view it or, or consider what you've done um, and i I think the the most incredible thing from that is how people. Have viewed it. I don't get through if I do a talk to um, you know corporates, uh, breakfasts, dinners, whatever. It's always the, the one thing that everybody wants to know about and, and the story about the, the background story of how how it ends up adding. Um, I just wish we could have lost it another eleven balls. Me and, and myself Micaiah. and Makaya. I mean, it was a bit of a hoop in the middle. Me with a broken hand and, and Makaya being my senior partner at the bat for the first time ever. <laughs>
0: And the, There was also the 438 game. Somebody did ask earlier on, where does that 40, 438 match rank in your highlights? Because I know a lot of people talk about Herschel's innings, but you also scored a breathtaking 90 or 50 odd balls there.
2: Yeah, I don't know. 438 four, is an iconic moment, and I think all of us who played in that game's lives. Um, you know, I, I can certainly tell you whenever I know or get a message that the 438 game's on the TV, I'll always <laughs> go looking for it. And, you know, the, the memories and the emotions of. And the ebbs and flows come kind of flooding back. Um, you know, uh, 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 even now when I watch Makaya face that, uh, I think it's the second or third last ball, and he gets it down to third man, I struggle to watch it. <laughs> 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 it, it, it just was an iconic moment in all our lives. Um, you know, uh, it, it was an incredible experience to be a part of. Um, and one that a game of cricket that will be remembered forever.
0: Yeah. Was there really belief, though, that the chase could happen? Or when did you start believing?
2: I think when we were in the change room um, and we set the targets, everyone burst out laughing because we had never seen, you know, those types of targets. Because we needed to, you know, ten overs, we needed to be at this this number, twenty overs, this number. I think all of us were were in a little bit of shock. But I think there was that moment when myself and Herschel were going, and we, we got into a position where, you know, realistically, we had an opportunity to win. And, and I think so so often in that when you're chasing a huge total, you've got to get get yourself into a place where you can give yourself an opportunity to win. And once we had done that, I, I think, you know, then it's about having smart brains, smart people. You know, we were fortunate that, that Mark Boucher was very experienced in the in the, in the middle and held it together. Johan Fundervat and a few other people around him played some cameos. And, you know, in the end, uh, it, it set up a... a Magnificent celebrations, these.
0: And never forget, put a tipper going out for one because uh, he could have delayed that chase if it stayed there <laughs> a bit longer. <laughs> but you, you mentioned Herschel. You had a lot of record-breaking partnerships with him. I think three of them more than 300 runs. What was key to your partnerships?
2: Look, I, I think myself and Hirsch, uh were very lucky. I mean, we, we, we complemented each other's games. Uh, he was you know, an attacking player. Um, I think I don't don't think he really thought too much. He played on instinct. Um, and, you know, we were left handed, right handed combination. And I think both of us had an attacking mindset in in many ways and looked to dominate. So when we were both in and got through the tough early periods, we were able to apply pressure on bowlers and, and, and attack them in our own different ways um and i think that that's what made us as a partnership difficult to bowl to. and having three i think it was three 300 partnerships yeah. with herschel is an incredible thing and you know um we had a we had a wonderful time to get to the top of the order uh myself and hersch a,
0: a lot was said though by hash in his book and the aftermath was well documented how's your relationship now because you seem to have made up with a lot of your old foes grim smith
2: Oh, uh, i've been fortunate i've had a, a lot of good relationships um with, with, the, with the guys that I've, I played with, you know, uh, you know, I think that's where really we're lucky. You, know, you play a competitive sport; you you're at the top. It's tense. Uh, it's high pressured. You, you're trying to get the best out of each other to to win games. And it, you know, especially when you're playing with someone for for ten, twelve years, you know, they become like family. And and, and you know, you, you you have to have some tough conversations along the way. Look, I, I think I, I, I'll. I would be honest that I think Hirsch felt that he let... If you have to ask him now, I, I think he, he let himself down with that hook. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of lot of stuff that he spoke about or mentioned that probably didn't have much truth to it. And I think he destroyed a lot of relationships along the way. And I think over time, he's taken the time to to try and repair some of those and put some of those wrongs right. Um, but I always respect Hirsch and I always remember the great things that we did together. And, you know, we have many, many memories that, that we shared.
0: You and KP are buddies now, was that a hard a hard one to mend?
2: <laughs> <laughs> we still give each other a hard time and you know, he, he still loves himself too much that to be so you know <laughs> I'll talk um, but you know, I think you know, he's also realised that uh you know that he probably potentially tried too hard to be English over the years, but he was an incredible player that we had many great battles against. And I think it's been terrific to see how he's come back and invested back in South Africa. I mean, from a conservation perspective, he's done some incredible things. Um, he's, he, he's come and invested his own hard-earned money back in South Africa in property, in conservation, in you know, building businesses, creating jobs. Um, and, and I think... You know, he certainly has realised how much he missed uh, South Africa, and you know, I, you know KP will always be KP. You know, I, I always tell him that he's trying too hard to be like a footballer, uh, and he's not. You know, he's, he's not as famous as he thinks. But I, I think on a on a, on a fun uh, friendship level, uh, it's been great to see him come back and and and, and really fall in love with South Africa again.
0: On that note, last question is about Liverpool. Graham Smith, <laughs> your favourite Liverpool. Should yes. Liverpool be crowned champions if the season doesn't continue? <laughs> can you believe it, Asadisa? I mean, we were all getting ready for a massive celebration, trying to plan which game we fly over and
2: go and celebrate with Liverpool, and then you know, coronavirus comes along. Now. You can I mean, wait another 30 years. Yeah, I know. Geez, even, it's the one thing that I'm struggling to cope with at this stage. And uh, every day I read some some stories on if they're going to continue the Premier League and how they're going to handle it. I mean, not only from you know a fan's perspective, but we also you know ourselves trying to decide on what's the, what's the right way forward for sports and yeah. um, you know going forward. I mean, I, I think anyone that could get an opportunity to watch any live sport at the moment would, would jump at it, wouldn't they? Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, we, we we miss it so much.
0: Well, if you've been able to wait 30 years, Graham, we're sure you can wait another 30 years for the Premier League title. But, Graham, we've reached our time limit. Thank you very much for being patient with us and giving us all of your time this evening. I know it's been a long day with the media teleconference earlier on, but we appreciate uh, the time that you've given us this evening. We wanted to celebrate you, highlight what you've achieved, and most importantly, uh, give you the respect that you deserve.
2: Thank you, man. It's very kind of you. And thank you to everybody that called in and sent voice notes. It's always great to... See how people are thinking, you know, it's, it's great to have the feedback and, um, and and to chat.
0: Thanks, Graham. Good luck going forward. And uh, Patoy say it took one man to put the Aussie Shane Warne bully in his place, and that man was uh, Graham Smith. We're going to have to leave it there. It is 7 o'clock. Uh, I saw Nomsa coming in, so I think she's up next. Uh, we'll be back again on Monday between 7 and 8 p.m. on SAFM Spot On with me, Tabi Somosia.